We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's almost like every time we think that they've learned, okay, and they've put their, their mistakes behind them, and they've capitalized on opponents and realize what their weaknesses are. But it's almost like they get amnesia and they fall back into the same rut and they do it all over again. Oh, boy. Yeah, no doubt about that. That's the voice of Will Purdue, and we are delighted to welcome him to the show. It's Mully and Haw, and Will Purdue joins us now on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal will good morning how are you well i'm doing pretty good but uh when i opened my blinds it was kind of a reminder of last night's game kind of dark dingy it's snowing and uh i can barely see the buildings in the city (laughs) yeah there's a death shroud over chicago like there is one over the bull season (laughs) if i hear what you say look that game was so frustrating because we've seen that game We've seen that game this year, and we haven't seen it recently, and we thought somehow that going to Paris and winning that game and bond, somehow things were going to change, and they just, they, you know, it'd be nice to say it's jet lag, but whatever it was, they stopped playing right before the half, and they never managed to kind of get it together again after. No, they didn't. And and the most frustrating and aggravating part was, as Billy mentioned in the postgame conference, that they talked about that. They talked about the MO of this Pacers team is they've gotten themselves down big in games and found ways to fight back. So when you, you hear that, you're like, all right, they knew this. They should have come out in the third quarter and seen, okay, we're up 16. Halfway through this third quarter, we need to be up 20-plus. We need to send a message to this team that we're not playing around. We're different than we were in the past because that's one of the things I talked about also in the postgame show. It says on opponents' scouting reports, and this is what we talk about, you know, about scouting reports. It's not just about players' tendencies. It's about characteristics of a team. And one of the things that it says about this Bulls team on every opponent's scouting report that's sitting in their chair when they walk into the arena is, is that this Bulls team struggles with at younger athletic teams that like to play physical, will put your body on you. You can then uh, affect how they play. And we've seen it as you talk about Molly, time and time again, they play one way in the first half and another way in the second half. And it it just, you sit there and you pull your hair out when you watch the games. The expectations, obviously, Will, are higher for Zach Levine, given his contract status and just his place on this roster and his role in this team. So when he goes the fourth quarter without scoring uh, and he turns the ball over, as often as he did last night, I think he had seven turnovers a lot of pressure falls on him and responsibility at his feet. The question is, 
that finger that he keeps referring to after the game that isn't a problem, it's got to be a problem. What else is there to explain why he is as inconsistent as he has been? Well, I, David, I agree with you. I think that the, the finger is a bigger issue than he's willing to let on. And I, and I want to listen what he did last year and how he played through the knee and how much that actually hurt, you know, what I found out after the season, you know, my hat goes off to him because he was playing hurt. He, he was playing for a contract. He was trying to prove how tough he was. I think he, he checked that box. Okay. But this is also not just, I mean, a lot of this falls at the feet of Zach because he's got to be open. He's got to be honest. He's got to be transparent with the coaches and with the, the medical staff. Okay. Because you can say one thing, but then when your play indicates another, that's when now, you know, you talk about Billy, you talk about the coaches. That's the hard decisions that the coaches have to make. It's not necessarily so much about X's and O's. You know, it's about being able to figure out rotations. It's about chemistry. Who plays together well? Who doesn't? Is a guy being honest? How well is the guy playing? You know, unfortunately for Billy, there was an episode earlier in the year where he pulled Zach out for a game when Zach wasn't shooting well. He wasn't playing well. And he wasn't in at the end of the game. I think that that bothered Zach a little bit. I think Billy knows that. So he's trying to balance, you know, that tight rope of trying to figure out, you know, how do I handle this guy? And that's also what makes coaching in the NBA so difficult because you got to have 14 different ways to coach for 14 different guys. Not, not one guy is the same on how you handle them. Back when you were in college, you were like, all right, these are the rules. Everybody follows them. If you don't, you don't play. This is the penalty. That's not what it is in the NBA. It, it's, it's different for everybody. And that's what makes Billy's job so difficult as well. I think one of the things that really bothers me in terms of, of Zach and the finger is that he has, he has talked about how the, you know, it's, he's playing through it. It's okay, whatever. But he's six of 36 from three since he hurt the finger and he missed all seven of them yesterday. Why, why keep taking the shot? If you're not hitting it, if the finger is a problem, why, why are you still taking that shot? Yeah, I agree with you. And he said in the post game that, you know, the fingers bothering him. And he, he, he was very specific. He said, the fingers bother me when I shoot threes, but I can still put it on the deck and attack the rim. I can still make free throws. So I'm, you know, like you just said, well, yeah, I'm just like, uh, okay, then put it on the deck and attack the rim. But if you're doing that and it affects your ability to control the basketball and it's, it may cause you to turn it over, then you got to figure something out. And that's, that's the hard part where then it goes to the communication between Zach and Billy about, okay, is he helping? Is he hurting? Is, you know, can you use him as a decoy? You know, what's going on? But at the end of the day, as you just said, if, if you're willing to put yourself out there and you want to play, then you have to sit there and take the criticism because you just said, hey, it's an issue, but I'm going out there and I'm playing, so it's not an issue, then, okay, we're going we're gonna to look at this as it's not an issue and you're out there playing, and unfortunately you had two untimely turnovers late in the game, so guess what? It's an issue, and we're talking about it the next day. 
Will, maybe no player epitomizes how consistently inconsistent the Bulls are better than Patrick Williams. On Monday night, 18-10, and 10, and he had a streak of double-figure scoring and points, and you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. That's who he can be. Look at that potential. And then we facetiously said Tuesday morning, well, yeah, watch, he'll go out tonight and get six and four. And he ended up with seven and five. But it, it, it kind of reflects just how you don't know on a weekly, ba- on a nightly basis what you're going to get from him despite his talent, despite his ability. Where are you with Patrick Williams and what should we reasonably expect? I think at the moment, Patrick Williams is a guy that we should expect 12 to 14 points and six to eight rebounds on a nightly basis. But, and I mentioned this last night in the post game show, let's just, let's divide this into two halves and let's take the first half and what the bulls were doing. They had good ball movement. They didn't necessarily have a lot of assists because they weren't shooting very well, but they had decent ball movement. They were getting to the free throw line. Patrick was active. He already had five rebounds. Because one thing where he can have an impact, and every player can have an impact when they're not scoring, is on the defensive end and on the glass. And Billy has talked about, they've addressed it with him, about he needs to be more aggressive in attacking the boards and helping Vooch rebound, creating second-chance opportunities, but also limiting your opponent to one shot because of his size. I mean, at the end of the day, he's – He's not LeBron. Please don't – I'm not saying he's LeBron, but he has LeBron's body. So he's got he's to use that to his advantage, okay? But I said in the postgame show, when you take what happened in the second half and you start to run isolation basketball, and then guys start to stand around, it just doesn't affect one guy. It affects everybody on the floor and how they play because now the ball's not moving. There's not player movement. You're not keeping your guy occupied. And when you keep your guy occupied and you turn the ball from side to side and defenses are scrambling and now there's mismatches, not only is there a mismatch on the ball, there's a mismatch with somebody trying to block Booch out that's undersized or a guard trying to block Patrick Williams out who's undersized because now you're scrambling, you're picking up the open man, the ball's going from side to side. That's why we keep talking about, you know, run the offense through Vooch. doesn't have to be in the post anchored down and like people want to talk about the 80s and 90s, but at the mid post, at the top of the key, screen roll. You know, I, I drew up a play in the pregame that the ball went inside the paint and out. And then Jack attacked and then he kicked it out. It went into the paint area twice, collapsed the defense. They had to rotate from side to side. There were mismatches all over the floor. DeMar makes a three, but what people also don't realize is that happens. Now you have mismatches on the board. You have mismatches out on the perimeter. And if you play team basketball and move the ball, it, the game becomes easy. When you start to isolate, and there are times when you have to isolate. There, it, it, there is. But not when you're up 16. Not when you're up 21. I mean, it's just, as Kendall and I talk about, the formula there is right in front of you. I got up this, you know, I, didn't, I couldn't sleep last night. I didn't go to bed till 1 o'clock, and I woke up this morning, and I'm, ty- I'm trying to think of analogies, you know. Hey, I want to be crafty on the radio. I want to sound good. And I was like, oh, I got a great one. I said, it, re- it reminds me of Bull Durham. And Crash Davis is on the mound, and he's like, hey, this guy loves the ball down the middle high. 
and he goes back behind the plate and he's getting him to throw the throw some junk and he keeps shaking him off, shaking him off. And then he just says, okay, fine. Throw him the heat. Throw him the heat. And the guy puts it in the parking lot. And he goes, he knew it was coming, didn't he? And he's like, yep. And it, these teams know that the Bulls have a tendency to kind of get into isolation basketball. And then that makes it advantageous for them. We have a plan for success. Billy knows it. The players know it. But that's what I talked about in sacrifice. You've got to stick to the plan. And that's what we've seen throughout different parts of this thing that you guys talk about to bring this all together and put a bow on it that makes it frustrating because we watch it and we're like, man, the offense is playing well. When the offense plays well, the defense plays well. And all of a sudden we totally change the game plan and we go to isolation. And then not only does it affect the offense, guys now aren't playing defense because they're pissed. They're not touching the ball. They're not getting shots. It affects both ends. It affects the players mentally and physically. And, and Will, you know, obviously, just look at Vooch's career. And when he was down in Orlando, he's used to he's used to having the ball in his hands. He's used to playing the team playing through him. And when the Bulls do it, they're just such a better team. They look so much better, and it opens up stuff for everyone. It's not about feeding a guy in the post so he can turn around and hit a, a shot. It's about him being part of the offense. Yeah, and like I said, we're not talking about the, the 90s basketball of throwing in the Charles Barkley and let him dribble it 14 times until he just backs a guy underneath the basket and then lays it up. We're talking about a guy over the last, uh, including last night, over the last nine games who led the team in assist. Yeah. We talk about a guy who's, who's a willing passer. We talk about a guy who, who just wants to win, and, and we've seen his dominance. He scored, what, 43 against Golden State because they didn't have any size. He can score when he needs you to score. He can find the open man. He can knock down the three. You have to take advantage of the weapons that you have that you're present with. And that's the other thing. I, I learned this when I got into the league about – why do you think Phil Jackson kept going into Bill Cartwright at the beginning of games in the first quarter and the third quarter? It wasn't because Bill Cartwright was going to dominate the man he was guarding. I mean, hell, we were throwing it into the ball when Patrick Ewing was guarding him, when Shaquille O'Neal was guarding him. But what does that also do? Bill did an excellent job of running the offense. But at the same time, because he got touches and because he was part of the offense, you could rely him on the defensive end as well because he was willing to make up when Michael would jump into the passing lanes and not get the steal, and then he'd have to rotate properly and then protect the rim. But I, people were like, it's, it's, guys would complain that much. Well, it's not that they would complain. It's just the mentality aspect of how you get a guy to do both things, right? It's just kind of like when you eat, how, how you feel when you have an ice cream cone. You're like, oh, the sugar, and you're like, oh, that was really good. You know, it's just kind of how you feed a guy, and that's that's what basketball is. I mean, we're breaking it down to the simplest terms, but it's not rocket science. We, I mean, it is a simple game if you'll follow the game plan and do what we need to do. Well, you got quality uh, usage out of your insomnia. Those are excellent analogies that you're throwing <laughs> out here. So let me ask you this, because you spent 13 years in the NBA, and everything you're describing makes so much sense, and we watch and we know what you're talking about, the Bulls – for whatever reason, it's not fitting here or there. Frustration mounts. These guys are humans. How much of a challenge is that when you have a team 
as inconsistent as the Bulls have become, number one, for the coach to address and for players to tolerate on a daily basis, night in, night out. And over time, doesn't that become your greatest challenge? How to manage all of these personalities in the midst of all of this inconsistency? You're exactly right. And again, as I mentioned uh, earlier, it's it's for a coach, sometimes X's and O's is the last thing on the list that he has to worry about. And that's as, as you talked about. We're now 47 games into this. This team is 22 and 25. And you, and you sit here and you watch how they played as of late. They won three games. They've beaten quality opponents. They've beaten the teams that they're supposed to beat. You know, they had this this big coming to Jesus meeting in Minnesota after, you know, giving up 155 points, they've turned the corner. And then as it, the, the piece you played, they'd fall back into this rut. This is where, you know, Billy's asking the question, you know, and this was what Phil Jackson was really good at. This is what Doug, I mean, sorry, Greg Popovich was really good at was being able to hammer home the message. Okay of how we have to play, regardless of the opponent. And we have to sit here and think about it doesn't matter how many points I score. It matters how many points the team scores. Because I I used the analogy again last night about, you know, Michael Jordan, would he, let's say he didn't win these championships, but he still had all these scoring titles. Will we still be calling him the greatest player of all time? There would still be that argument but I don't think they would be people would as many people would be on that bandwagon as, as there are now, but that's what winning does. That's how it changes the perception of who a player is when you win. And I think that's what DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Vucevic, these guys have to realize it's not about points. It's not about rebounds. Yeah. We need all those things to help this team win. But at the end of the day, it's about winning games. It's about chemistry. It's about, what do I have to sacrifice to help this team that I'm on win? Because the fans and, and you know, naysayers may not know, but the coaches will know. All the general managers for the other 29 teams will know. The other coaches will know. And that's what gets you, that's what gets you paid ultimately. And that's what gets you the recognition that you so desire as a player. Great stuff, Will. Really appreciate your time. Always fun to talk to you. Thanks, Will. Enjoy it, guys. This, hey, last thing. This is, this is up to the players. This is up to Billy to figure out. This can change because the one thing that we always deal with in this league is injuries, right? And a, team, a great team in the East like Philly, Milwaukee, Boston, one injury to the right guy, all of a sudden they become a good team, not a great team, and that becomes advantageous to the Bulls. So that's what they have to figure this out because if you can somehow get yourself into the playoffs, anything can happen. And that's what we're hoping for. And as fans, that's what we want to see happen as well. No doubt. Thanks so much, Will. Thanks, guys. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.